Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times, data, with a special edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. That's right, Getting Over is back once again and we are bringing you an exclusive interview with the man known by many names these days, Swerve the Realist, Shane Strickland, Swerve Strickland, whatever you want to call him. He is one of the hottest professional wrestlers in the world right now. He is fresh off signing with AEW and making his debut at Revolution last Sunday. And he has joined Getting Over for an exclusive first interview since becoming a member of the AEW roster. For longtime listeners of this show, you know that the Silver King has been talking about Swerve dating back to 2019. And I'm not saying that I was at the forefront of the Swerve revolution. And I actually meant 2018, not 2019, because this man was killing it way before that. But I got an opportunity to see Swerve at a WrestleMania weekend show for WrestleCon in New Orleans. And man, it was an awesome match with Sammy Guevara. Um, and Will Ospreay was also involved. I believe Adam Brooks was as well guy just stood out. And ever since then, you guys know I've been singing his praises during his entire time in WWE uh, through his NXT tenure, the Hit Row faction. And when he got brought up to the main roster with SmackDown, unfortunately, it didn't last as long as everyone, uh, himself probably included, hoped. But nevertheless, uh, he is now in a new phase of his career, moving on to AEW. And I am extremely excited to bring you this exclusive interview with him. Before we get to the interview, and it's the only thing on the show, so it is coming up momentarily, I would be remiss. You know what we gotta do here. If I did not remind you that getting over is all about Defy. So please head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a five-star rating on Apple. Also leave a review. Let people know how much you love the show, why they should listen, and tell them we have great interviews across the entire history of the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. Our latest just so happens to be Swerve. So let's get to it right now. Swerve is going to talk about his career in WWE and NXT, his decision to sign with AEW, his prospects going forward, uh, not just in the professional wrestling world, but in the entire entertainment landscape. And yeah, we also talk a little rap as well. So do not miss a second and allow me to introduce you to Swerve. Real excited to welcome Swerve, Swerve Strickland, Swerve the Realist. Dude, I don't even know what your name is anymore, but Swerve <laughs> to the show for the first time, man, off the top. Let me tell you, I've been in this podcast game a couple years now, and listeners who have stuck around me remember, I've been talking about you since I first saw you live at the WrestleCon Super Show in New Orleans, WrestleMania weekend back in 2018. Great match with Will Ospreay, Sammy Guevara, really cool stuff. Bringing you in now, though, to the show, it's kind of a full circle moment for us, for me and my listeners, and it comes off what's been a wild last couple of months for you personally. So I just want to say off the bat, I appreciate you stopping by for really your first interview since officially signing with AEW. Uh, yeah, man, this is a great opportunity. The timing couldn't be any better, honestly. It's like uh, coming off my 90 days, um, just jumped right into like, the five year five year anniversary yeah. in the fiftieth show to jumping into revolution and finding like that week, you know, and debuting there. Like the time it couldn't be any better. So it's yeah. incredible, man. Like I'm in a good position right now in my life and my career. 
and it's only up from here. No, yeah, it seems great. I mean, I wasn't going to talk about it until later, but that match uh, with Nick Wayne, that was pretty special. Uh, what what did that kid kind of show you for, I guess, I assume it's the first time you ever wrestled him. And just yeah. being back at that promotion where you started making a name for yourself, what did that mean to you to be able to do that? It, it is um, paying it forward, honestly. Um, I remember back when um, the first couple of Defy shows, it was me and Davey Richards, and he was doing the same thing with me. You know, like he was like putting me, like he was putting me through, put my body through the ringer. You know, he was like testing me, pushing me to my limits and stuff. But you only get better from doing that. You know, so I wanted to do the same to Nick Wayne. And he's at a way younger age than when I came to Defy. You know, he's at 16 years old. You know, he has the whole world in front of him. He starts to finish school, you know, before he really like taps into his full potential with his wrestling career and all that. So um, that's the role I want to take on. You know, I want to be like the OG coming to these locker rooms. You know, like these guys confiding in me for advice and like uh, these guys are like looking up to looking up to me and looking to kind of do the, some of the things that I've done in this industry, you know, and um, there's still and for me, there's still a lot I want to do in the industry. But it's cool that these guys are like following like my template to do it. You know, I've done it in a, in a very unique, different way. That was very unique to me and stuff. I think that's why I stood out to a lot of people. And then like as far as fans, as far as like um, uh, other promoters, other coworkers, other roster members, and I think to uh, up and coming talent like a Nick Wayne and all these mm. other guys. Yeah, I mean, you say you're an OG, you're 31. That makes me feel old as shit because <laughs> I'm, older, I'm older than you. Uh, but no, it's, it's true, though, because you have so much experience. You've pretty much, in terms of wrestling, at least in the United States, you've basically tapped into every little area and facet of it, which makes it really interesting that you were able to come full circle, do that. And I just got to say, I, I really like the way that match was laid out, but also the story with his mom being there and playing into that and his age and, and knowing that he signed, of course, the AEW. That was, I'm sure that was a really special moment in his life. For you, it, it was a big moment for you too, but for him, that's something he's always going to remember. Yeah, it was, it was something that was necessary for me. I, you know, it was necessary for me to like, I didn't want to come back three years later being the same guy and just carry on like nothing happened. No, like, there's a significant change in me. My aura is different. People should look at me and like ex and receive my presence a little differently. And uh, his mother getting involved in the match, it made people look at me a little differently. It like kind of made people like. It's, I always always go into the I always go into every match and every show expecting people not to know who I am or this is the first time seeing the show. And like there was always already like a great lineup of wrestling throughout the show already. Mm -hmm. So like I needed to give a different vibe and a feel. And I felt like that gave a different feel like, oh, wait a minute. This is getting a little uncomfortable. Hold up. Like, oh, OK, this is Swerve is different. Swerve is like really trying to punish and hurt this young kid. Right. You know, and like, can he come back from this? Like, oh, man, this so this is going so bad that his mother has to get involved in family members and all that. So it was a special moment to like get me into that to like breakthrough is like okay i'm something different mm -hmm. but at the same time it's like nick wayne we already know the kid's athletic and gifted and he can go now he needs to make you this is the test to make the audience and people out there watching to feel something about him we, yep. i want people to care about him you know yeah you guys definitely accomplished that uh, so you know talking about making a first impression all right let's go to that debut you made in AEW on sunday now i know you signed right around the beginning of march I think you worked me a bit saying you didn't know when you were going to appear. I had a feeling 
you knew when you were going to appear first for AEW. Uh, but what did it feel like to be out there at Revolution? Yeah. And how are you feeling about this opportunity that you're getting? Uh, once again, just that position that they put me in to debut me, it gave the audience a different feel of what type of asset they're they're receiving for AEW. Mm-hmm. I'm not just like another guy who can come in and just put on matches. They have, they've already have that, you know, they've signed a lot of those guys and they're really gifted at what they do, but I'm something different. You're, you're not just getting a talent. You're getting a brand. If an NXT swerve was a, a hip hop artist and rapper and stuff, AW's version of swerve is a mogul. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so much more expansion to myself as a professional outside of the ring and what you're going to receive inside the ring and on television every week. And that, once again, I just want to give Swerve and whose house, Swerve's house, everybody knew, you know, so everybody knew who I was. So just that alone was just that like, okay, I'm in the right direction. I'm giving that feel and that vibe to the world, you know, and they, they, and, and I feel like they feel something different and unique and new as well. And I feel like they want to, they, that's what they want. They don't mm-hmm. want to see a carbon copy, copy paste from where they last saw me on TV. They want a different feel and different vibe in a different environment. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. So AEW, obviously, is big in the game right now alongside WWE. And we'll touch on WWE in a little bit. But once that release came down, how quickly did this come together with AEW? I know it wasn't official until, you know, right a couple of days before. But how quickly... Did it come together? And was there any consideration from you about doing something different, something else besides going to AEW? Oh, my first call was New Japan, honestly. I was on the phone with uh, Rocky Romero Mm -hmm. and I talked with Will Ospreay about it because that's like a little brother to me. He wants me to be over there just as much as them. But man, like um, uh, my cousin, Will Washington, who helped uh, produce on the Who We Are um, AEW album. Um, he talks with Tony Khan pretty frequently and he does a lot of the media scrums as well. Um, he also does Grapsity with R- Righteous Reg and Phil Lindsay on those guys. So shout out to them guys. Um, Tony Khan reached out to him because we're family and he was like, Hey, what's his, what's, what's his, uh, what can we do about getting them here? And so I, that was already like the, um, the bug in the ear. Mm-hmm. And so, but like, and I, and so I was happy about the interest being already there, like that early, like really early on. But I did once again, I didn't want to just um, show up there. Like I'm kind of glad I had that 90 days. I'm really glad, you know, it gave me time to like really go out, travel, build a team, network, meet other people. I went to LA for like 12 days and just met so many talented individuals in the industry, outside the industry, you know, like within and like um, in the music industry and all these other mm-hmm. facets that they're in fashion and stuff like that. So I'm just like, okay, I have this. Um, now I'm building this team. Then my podcast team and my music team, like with uh, Swerve City Podcast and this uh, Montezzi and the Swerve City Music Group and my lawyer, Tony Richa, just <clears throat> on this other side, building this conglomeracy of music um, talent. And just making all these other business moves on that side, I was like, okay, now we're forming something here. Mm-hmm. So now I have, I'm not just approaching this AEW and Tony Khan with like just myself as a team. You're getting 
all this other stuff with it. So there's no way like this could possibly no, there's no way I can lose. And there's no way I can't help benefit something with you and the product either with my team that I have. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, it was also like, um, with the, with the Cody Rhodes situation, him leaving as well. And we're not sure if like where that's going to go, but like him leaving that opened up a spot with like all those business acquisitions that he has. Like, I don't know if they're doing a lot of those anymore or they're seeing those out until they're finally finished, but mm-hmm. I left a window. So I'm like, Oh man, that gives him opportunities for me to fill that void with all these, like all these crazy other business ventures and all that, you know? Well, you had mentioned to me that Tony Khan told you that he sees you as a crossover star. What yeah. does that look like? You know, what kind of opportunities do you think are in your future, whether it's through the connection with AEW or just through the freedom that AEW provides? You know, it's not as restrictive, of course, yeah. as where you well, were previously. That's the beauty of it. It's the freedom that they provide. And when they see it going well, they can also add more fuel to that fire. I'm already starting all these fires um on my own with these all the, like i'm literally like the music that i came out to that's produced by prophet the producer and khalid brooks who helped produce on the donda album for kanye west mm-hmm. just that alone that team right there and flash of garments singing the hook to that who's in bed with a lot of these industry um music executives with, like the Floyd mayweather money team with the team donda with chris brown and his team and a, like a, countless others and the, the other guy that i brought over to aw was uh is an A&R, uh, I call him Heck, Hector. Mm-hmm. He's with uh, A&R for Bad Boy. So that's that team, you know. So like Tony sees all that and he understands it. And he understands like, oh, that's an extension of you. Then we're going to just let you do that. And then whatever you need, we apply more pressure to that with AEW, with all the other business acquisitions that he has going on with the agencies and all that in LA. Mm-hmm. So like the same way with, with how you see Darby having all these connections like a Tony Hawk and a Travis Pastrana and doing all the things that he does with like ghost main and all that. Like, Oh, okay. Um, we're just going to give you sting and add more of this and give you more TV and give you all these other things to just help fuel that, that he already has. Same with house of black with mouth, uh, Malachi black with his right. black mask clothing brand. You know, they all these, these guys are doing their own thing. And it's just AEW just like boosting them up even more only when they need it though. I don't right. think, I think, I think a lot of us, I think when they see us doing well and they're pretty hands off with it, they don't want to touch it too much. But when it's needed for the next boost, I feel like that's when he provides it. Well, for someone like you, who's really entrepreneurial and not everyone's like that, you know, some people are happy to have a job, do their work and kind of, you know, go day to day. But for someone like you, was that a frustration that you had in WWE or did you feel like they were supporting you maybe in different ways, but obviously they put the Swerve City podcast on the network, and they did try to do some things with you. Did you feel similar support given their, despite their restrictions? Um, I was fortunate. I felt very fortunate the fact that they did give me the free way, freedom that I did because I didn't really ask a lot of permission. I just kind of did it. Mm-hmm. And like I, I kind of broke a lot of protocol, but I wasn't getting in trouble. I wasn't like having anything explicit said on any of the episodes. I didn't get any of the right. um, other talent like hemmed up in any controversies or canceled or anything like that. <laughs> so we were really smart and safe with that. And I think they respected that. So they allowed me to maneuver in the way that I did. A lot of other people didn't really get that. A lot of people got there's like, they, they, a lot of people just got, they weren't even allowed to like IG live stream and stuff like that. Or they got like the hammer brought down pretty good with them. Mm-hmm. But like I had a good rapport with them. I communicated with them. 
and I didn't give them anything. I wasn't hiding anything. So I think they gave me a lot to maneuver in like then when the uh, deal going to the WWE network and this, the, even the show's still on Peacock and 10 episodes of the film right. paid for 10 episodes are still on Peacock. So that goes to show you we're still in good rapport with WWE in that sense. Um, I feel like uh, just building relationships and making sure you understand the, each party, what they're, what you're about, what your mission is, what can we provide you, what kind of service, what kind of dynamic we can bring and just respecting their protocol and blending the two rather than always trying to butt heads mm-hmm. when it's time to, but you when you build that equity, it's time to butt the heads, but we didn't build the equity yet. So we were just like, okay, what can we do to, right. you know, provide that? And they were like, Hey, we want you to do what you do. We enjoy what you're doing. So we were like, okay, cool. But, um, the, when it comes to like breaking off into doing more and like, um, waiting and waiting to hear back in the process of like running it up the chain of command yeah, the waiting for it to come back down yeah so like that's the kind of frustration because i like to move quick i like to like hey if it's taking too long okay i'll get up and go get it myself right and i'll fly across the world to acquire it <laughs> if it makes the, if it speeds up the process and i've done that a lot you know um so that's I, I feel like that was like the only thing that um there was a little not restriction but a little pullback with with wwe but now with the AEW, uh, it's no pullback. It's just like, oh, um, I can get this Thursday. Um, like, okay, but if I can go there Tuesday, can I get done? Absolutely. All right, I'm going Tuesday. <laughs> you know, or yeah. I'm, I'm making my calls and we can get this, boom, hashed out. They're ready to go. And I like to move fast. I like to move fast and I like to move on my own accord. Yeah, you do move fast in and out of the ring, apparently. So, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, so listeners would be pissed because you did mention New Japan. If I didn't follow up, is that, you know, given the freedom that AEW provides, and obviously you're just starting there, so you probably want to give them a lot of your, uh, you know, significant effort from a wrestling perspective, but something like the G1 Wrestle Kingdom, is that something in your sights? Is that something you want to do that maybe we could see sooner than later? Oh, um, I can't I can't confirm sooner or later, but that's something I definitely want to do. Gotcha. I definitely have more New Japan Strong dates coming up in March, um, but G1 Climax, of course, absolutely. That the like that's that that was a bucket list of mine in my career. You know, going to go just going to Japan in general was something I always wanted to do. I'm not ruling that out, and um, hopefully that I can I can like with the scheduling with AEW and all the things I have going on, I have the I can free myself up a little bit to mm-hmm. travel over there and uh, like join those ranks and mix it up with those guys. I have a lot of friends over there, with, like Jeff Cobb, with like Osprey. You know, um, so I'm just like, I really would love to go and mix it up with those guys. It's something I haven't done yet. Now, now that you're on this AEW roster, and it's a stacked roster. I mean, it's pretty loaded talent-wise. Yeah. Who do you have just in your sights, whether it's dream matches, people you just want to go against on a bigger stage, maybe who you fought before? Like, wh- what's been percolating in your mind? Um, I don't really have those dream matches anymore. I said this before on another uh, interview. I was like, I don't think dream matches anymore because, like, it's like – um. I know, I, I, like at this point in my career, I can bang with anybody. You know, mm-hmm. I can, we can, like, it's all about for me now. It's like, what kind of story, compelling story stuff can we do? What kind of like, like, I think story first and match second. This match is going to be good, especially when you're when you're across the ring from somebody who's incredibly talented. That's that's a that's a foregone conclusion. Me and a Brian Danielson, that's going to be a good match. Right. But what other things? What kind of what other heartstrings can we pull on? What other things can we get the audience to invest in and pull from them 
to make them want to like cry, get up and get angry, get up and like, or like second guess, get uncomfortable, make them squirm in their seats a little bit. What are those things we can really do? Make them question certain aspects of each character. That's the stuff I'm looking to do, you know? Like yeah. I know me and Darby could do that easily, you know? Um, like uh, um, me, I've always like, in NXT, I've always said Kyle O'Reilly was a, a opponent I always wanted to work with. Mm-hmm. So now we got that potential again. Um, uh, wrestled Kenny Kenny Omega before in a six man tag before in in the UK. Shout out Rev Pro. Mm-hmm. So I did that before. So like, there's a lot of like, not too many guys I haven't gotten the ring with. Um, maybe a John Moxley haven't right. worked with him. And we're two former CZW World Heavyweight Champions True. and Cage of Death Match wrestlers. <laughs> uh, so we have that little. Uh, connection there um and like me um a big uh, friend of mine you've seen it on social media a bunch already probably and feel like he's a big uncle to me uh malachi black we never had a match right but I, we've been friends since 2013 and never had a match but we've always trained together we know how each other moves but we never just did it, like we never had an independent match or a tv match yeah that's wild like that. yeah that's weird. never yeah yeah that's strange so, yeah, there's plenty. Um, though. There's there's a long. So for someone who said there's not a list, there's a list. Let's just be honest. There's a little I'm, bit of a list. I'm just I'm just throwing I'm just throwing potential. Out there. <laughs> but like so once, once again, these are like some of the best storytellers in the industry right here, though. I'm uh, bringing absolutely. out like these are guys that like bring other elements to the ring rather than just their athletic ability and their grappling skills. These guys like right. are characters in themselves and they tell like these deep cinematic like narrations to their to their stories and that's not just like get in the ring and just go at it balls to the wall there's like elements of things to really look at and pick for you know yeah and and, and i'm glad that you have that mindset and thought process because a lot of wrestling and, and you know everyone likes different stuff right but some people it's all about the spots others yeah. it's it's all about you know can they wrestle on the mat and then for others it's can you put it all together tell a story and make people feel and that that for me is what professional wrestling is. And I'm glad that you kind of had that mindset. It was um, having tape studies with Shawn Michaels really like turned him and Terry Taylor at the performance center really like took the dial and turned it this way in my brain. And I was like, Oh my God, he's right. Like these guys like Terry uh, were, were talking with Shawn. Yeah. He's like on his second run. He was always saying like, um, he was never, he never felt good about being the top champion. Like he doesn't handle that very well as far as like mm-hmm. um, running with the title, he realized his greatest gift was pulling on heartstrings and telling different unique stories. Even as a special guest referee in the Hell in a Cell match with Tri- Triple H and Taker, yep. you're telling unique different stories than him and Flair, like him and Angle, like they're just telling all these, like, and they were like, and they were like marquee matches without a championship in, in between any of them. And we don't see that very often anymore. We feel like every time we put a world title, put a main event up there, it has to be a title, has to be something uh, like a, a consolation prize, something's on the line. But like Sean at that time was having these main event matches on big major pay-per-views with nothing on the line. Right. You're just telling, you just wanted to see who would win. Like even Sean and Hogan, you know, they're seeing like, man, we got to see who wins. Right. Like, and that's the kind of performer that I strive to be, something like that. And just being in, like the office with them one-on-one talking with them for an hour, watching my old tapes. Mm-hmm. He, he put that into me. He instilled that into me because he knew that I could do it. 
growing up watching wrestling, even early in your career on the independence, who were you, who did you idolize? Who did you kind of shape and model your style and career after? I know yours, I know your style is unique. You can also do things that a lot of guys back in the day couldn't do, but like, who are the guys you were watching where you said, man, I want to be a wrestler. Cause that guy's a wrestler. Cause I see, I want to do what he does. That was edge for sure. Edge. My first, my first favorite wrestler ever was Ray Mysterio. Mm-hmm. And like, I wanted to like always look like him in some way, but like, as far as like, getting up and wanted to actually do it with edge, um, uh, as far as independent, independent wrestling, um, my favorite independent wrestler, when I like really started getting into like ring of honor and mm-hmm. the dragon gates and all that stuff was uh, Austin Aries. Like he was like incredible. He was like, he had all the flash and charisma and moves so impactful and believable. And just so poised, incredible footwork. He's just so much, so many different things about him mm-hmm. that, like, in the in his prime, I was just like, oh my god, this man is just untouchable to me. Yeah, and, and I like, uh, yeah, I'm still friends with him too. I just saw him oh, recently, cool. and like, yeah. So, and we, and Edge, and, Edge is another one of those. Sorry, I didn't mean yeah. to interrupt you, but Edge is sorry, another one of those guys where you're talking about storytelling and going yeah. beyond the wrestling and being able to be in a match. You're seeing it now. I don't know if you're watching, but with AJ Styles, he's created a storyline in a match. That could be a main event WrestleMania match. There's exactly. nothing on the line. Doesn't matter. It just you want to see these two guys go at it. Him and Seth Rollins did it in, in the in the in Crown Jewel. Yep. Where that could have been the main event of any pay per view. That could have main event in Mania. Absolutely. But they just built such a story and such an element to it to his character. It's just like this feels so much more important than what's being presented. And like that's a that's a gift. That's a really huge gift to do that with anybody in the ring. You know, like Edge does it incredibly well. Um, he's going to like him and AJ Styles is like one of the biggest matches I'm looking forward to seeing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I haven't played, paid too too much close attention to their feud in general, but I know the match is going to be just yeah, like incredible. How and, could like, it not be? You know, <laughs> but once yeah. again, like an incredible storyteller against one of the best in ring like performers in the modern age with AJ Styles. Like everybody in 2000 plus 2010 plus has yeah. modeled themselves after this man. Yeah, for sure. So I told you before we we did this, that I tried to interview you like two or three times in WWE just never worked yeah. out. So I do have yeah. a bunch of questions. I want to backtrack a little bit uh, to the end of your independent run before you kind of got signed. I know you did some work in Evolve and they had that WWE kind of connection, but when did you first hear from WWE and how long did it take for you to actually reach a deal with them and, and go into the performance center? So I would say it was like a middle of 2018. They were trying to get me into um, tryouts, like the summer of 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, my Lucha Underground contract was still in effect. And there were, and there were still like, I, I believe I still filmed the last bit of se- the last bit of season four. And those last episodes didn't air till December. So um, they were I was talking with the office to try to like get in a trial, get in a trial, get in a trial, get in a trial. And then MLW, I had MLW as well. Right. So right. when it get, got to December, my last episode finally aired. Um, I, then I reached out to MLW asking for like a release of my contract situation. And Court Bauer was excellent with that. He just thought, oh, send an email in 10 minutes after mm-hmm. I text him and called him. But I always think Court knew that they were interested because like i feel like all those guys talk to each other sure some type of line of communication so i think there was interest shown and court bauer is excellent to just send that release form to me to them to to me to send to them and 
Um, they were trying to fit me into a trial in January, I believe, or February. Mm-hmm. So I go on vacation. Uh, excuse me. So I go on vacation, and in the middle, in the, like literally in the middle of vacation, I get an email saying from Canyon saying like, um, AAA says, "Why wait? Let's sign you now." <laughs> so you just bypass the entire uh, uh, trial situation. So I'm just like, "Wow, oh, okay." So I got all this information, all the the whole paperwork to just sign through, go through the background checks and all that. I'm doing this on vacation. I should be out like in the beach with everybody, but I'm just like, I don't know. I'm focused on this now. <laughs> I can't even relax anymore. Because once I once again, like once I get a task in front of me, yeah, of like a, with a goal, I have to just go at it, and nothing else like really matters. Like it's just I got to get to it. Yeah, so it's, it's not hard, like it was it's not like you didn't have enough stuff on film for them to know what you could do. You know what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> but it's just like I just wanted to. I just wanted to get there. I just wanted yeah. to get to work. Like, but there's like, oh, you've been doing all this like independent dates and flying across the oh across the country, across the world. This is your time to relax. This is like all I can do is think about getting right back to it. Right. So you signed in early 2019, uh, but yeah. like a lot of new people who sign with NXT, the Performance Center. It took about a year, I would say, for you to really not not to be on TV, but to get that first opportunity to really shine. And and I thought you did that during that cruiserweight championship tournament that Santos Escobar eventually won. Was in a situation where there was just a lot of people ahead of you, a lot of storylines that were ongoing, yeah. or did they feel there was something you needed to work on? Um, there was nothing really I needed to work on. It was just a timing thing. This is a time like I of course I wanted to get better and like improve on certain things. Um, but they still had like Riddle there. They still had right. um Damian Priest, uh Damo just came back, Finn Balor came back down, Gargano, Ch- like Ciampa was getting healthy. There was like a lot of talent still, like Undisputed Era was running rampant, mm-hmm. you know, and then you know, it was just it was just so many guys. And then Leo came back as well. So, Were you frustrated? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I had I had like four good strong conversations with triple h about it um I was like personally i was like hey i want to be one of your top guys what do i have to do straight up and i wasn't like bullshitting getting around anything i was like Mm -hmm. what do i have to do because i know i can do it and well every time i had a conversation he boosted me up a little bit with my positioning that's where i got into the santos escobar thing right it was like okay i want more like okay then he put us on takeover for the cruiserweight title i was like okay i still want more why <laughs> was the hesitation to like put me with these top dudes it was just like placement and all this other stuff so then like i, I end up hurting my thigh or something like that I had it getting an injury and i uh, had another firm call like i had to cut him off before he walked to his like private car to go to his private jet and everything i had to cut him off i was like hey i'm going so i'm going to be off team for four weeks i'm changing up a lot of stuff i'm doing this this is what i want to do and it wasn't like me asking permission. It was just like, no, this is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So be ready when I come back because this is what I'm presenting and I'm going to do something with it because I can't keep doing this. Did you already pitch him like something that was going to be hit row at that time? Because that didn't no. come that far after that. No, this is like just me changing myself up. Okay, gotcha. So I came back and I kept putting the grills in my mouth, the hair color. Right, right. The, ear, the, the things and like that. So they were like, and the first person we really recognized that was William Regal. He was just like, that's brilliant. I like this. And then, then Terry Taylor was just like, I see what you're doing. And now you stand out. Because mm-hmm. Terry was just always about like, you always did great stuff in the ring. You always had great moves and stuff. But now I feel you. Just by looking at you, 
I feel something for you. So now it's like, okay, I think you're ready now. Now all the office was starting to get behind me. And then having those conversations with Shawn Michaels, Shawn was behind me. So all the office was like, all right, he's ready to go. And so in these meetings and stuff, Triple H was like talking about the main events and all these other things. But Sean was like, yeah, nudging him. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, but we have Swerve over here. Swerve is ready to go. He's primed. Right. Then, like, I just became like me and I did the Leon Ruff match. Then yeah. I went to um, take over, did the gauntlet thing, came mm-hmm. down to me and Bronson. Me mm-hmm. and Bronson had a couple more singles matches. And that's where, like, it was just like Stephanie McMahon was watching, too. She came through and watched it. She was like, you're like my favorite heel. It was like, I love the way you do this. Yeah. And so um, it got to a point you just couldn't deny me anymore. So after so that, those frustrating days and years built up to being undeniable. It's like, OK, what are we doing now? The fans couldn't the fans were saying it. Absolutely. Like the, the, the peers are saying it. And now the office is saying it. So it was like, OK, I'm forcing your hand now because I said, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Ready. And so sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you have to know how good you are and what you have to understand what you present to a product, because that's how I look at every promotion. I kind of assess and scan everything. Where do I fit in? Who's doing this? Who's doing what? Who's positioned here? Who's wearing this? Who's um, who's the flyer? Who's the grappler? Who's the striker? Who's the hardcore guy? Who's the who's the talker? Who's the charisma? I, I scan every single thing and I really and I let y'all I sit back and watch y'all do your thing. And then I find my way to just, boom, this is where I insert myself. And this is how I take over in China. In China. I've done it in like every wrestling promotion I've ever been signed to. Mm-hmm. Lucha Underground, I found a way. NXT, I found a way. SmackDown, I found a way. And now here at AEW Revolution and Dynamite and Rampage mm-hmm. and Double or Nothing coming up in May 29th in Vegas, I'm going to find a way. <laughs> so that was when, like you said, things started to take off for you. Everyone who didn't already know you and wasn't already rooting for you started recognizing you. But what was special about that is that was the jump off to then get into Hit Row. So what I'm curious is, where did the idea of Hit Row come from? And if it was from you, was it a tough sell or did everyone kind of buy into the idea pretty quickly? And I ask that because it was really unlike any other stable that we've seen in wrestling, especially WWE these days. WCW and WWE back in the day, it was just fresh and different. Like you keep saying it was different. And I'm wondering how that came about. Where did it generate from? And, you know, talk about how that kind of went down. So they were already the hit makers when they had the, they brought Gabe Sapolsky in to bring in Evolve. They Mm -hmm. were supposed to do like a, an Evolve um, project that was going to be on the network and Peacock and stuff like that. That was just going to be like, kind of like how NXT 2.0 is now. A lot of those guys who weren't really getting positioned, getting seen, mm-hmm. stuff like that was supposed to be another product for them. So the hitmakers were going to be that group. Um, Triple H like really liked how I caught steam. And so he wanted to put a group under, under, underneath me to support me and make me feel like a bigger star and everything. And that's by the time I started doing those promos in the studio. Right. And so he said, like, I don't want them to be, he's like, I was like, uh, for me, I was at first, I was just like, ah, I just don't want to be babysitting anybody or trying to do this. He was like, no, no, no. These are you guys. These are these are going to be the people built around you. But right. They're all going to be equal, you know, and that's what I wanted, too. I didn't want to just be like, oh, these are beat up guys. These are just cronies. No, I wanted like I wanted a force. Right. I wanted a family. Everybody has a 
everybody's apart. Like, uh, I when I finally met up with the guys and uh, Brianna, we were just, I was like, we need to watch the show Snowfall. It's the four key components. It's the, um, mm-hmm. Franklin Saint, then his uncle, and his side best friend, and um, his uncle's um, wife. It's like yep. those four. Everybody plays a great role, and everybody has significant, like, a purpose. Everybody had a purpose in the show. Everybody yep. has a purpose in the group, you know. And then and like everybody has a, a character arc as well, mm-hmm. you know. Like so, therefore everybody's shining, and that's how we looked at it. it. Was like, oh, I get it, I see it. Now Franklin was the he's the he was the main character of the show that mm-hmm. brings these other characters in. But once they brought in, anybody could be your favorite character. You know, it doesn't have to be Franklin's your favorite. Like. The uncle could be your favorite, you know? So I, that's how we compared it. And we all saw it the same way. So we all just hang, hung out. We literally spent time with each other outside of just being in training and being at the performance center. Cause you know, we don't want to just like be ourselves at work. We want to be ourselves at home, out on the street. When we go shopping, how are we, when we like, what is your taste in um, shoes? What's your taste in clothing? What's your taste in food? What, how do you like, how do you watch football? How do you watch sports? Right. Like, what's your taste in video games? You know, we all, like, legitimately hung out together and spent time. And um, Triple H put them under, underneath me. And as soon as we all got the microphone to, like, actually, when we did that first live, uh, uh, the first live promo, it was about seven minutes. And they were a little worried about us doing live microphones, mm-hmm. live, 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 uh, live promos. Yeah. They were worried about that. Because they were like, oh, this is a big step. You know, we were like, oh, we're good. We got it. So we just put our stuff together. I'm like, as far as AJ, I'm like, oh yeah, let him rock. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, you know, so, and everybody, um, everybody jumped to it pretty quickly. I kind of hate that I never myself made the connection with Snowfall because, like, now that you say it, it's, it's obvious. You know what I mean? It's one yeah. of those things where, oh yeah, I exactly see where that kind of lined up. So I'm pissed yeah. off at myself for that. But Hit Row got over quick, like really fast. And we talked about it on this show all the time how the group was hot different and best of all just real right and watching the promos in the lab the cypher it just didn't feel like something that you normally get from wrestling especially on national tv it felt like you guys had a lot of buy-in from nxt not just in starting the group but as it started progressing and getting hot it really felt like everyone was behind you guys oh they were yeah absolutely um like they t- they took sc- they took papers away from us. They were just like, "This is what y'all need to talk about. Go," and that's what we did. Like, we, so we would literally take like three minutes to come up with a promo for four people, including um our girl, uh, a girl in the group that's mm-hmm. like talking just as equally as the guys, if not stronger than us. In uh, like a lot of these promos, like positioning each other, like a lot of the, like what Triple H would really like um, put onto us was like get close, like y'all friends, y'all family, touch each other, like. Like mm-hmm. really interact, like you know, like or when I mess up, Brianna, like let him know that he messed up, you know, like smack his head, like like or um, hop on what's the name when I'm happy, and when I'm like I'm depressed or I'm weak, to pick each other up. We were interacting as like a, a force. We were a family, you know. Like I feel like a lot of these promos with like people, uh, uh, groups and factions and stuff. You're seeing everybody like framed up like a far apart. Mm-hmm. Like everybody has their section and they don't. Inter- interlock their section you know and that's not how friends work <laughs> true you're really with your friends you're like 
on each other, like especially when you're constantly talking over each other. Yeah, yeah. You exactly. you, you step each other, you step over one another. You know, yeah. like sometimes you like you'll I'll, I'll, like I'll knock your shoulder to start talking, or like there's like we had that camaraderie, and the closer we got, the more we were on the road, and the more we like it grew and it became organic. You know, mm-hmm. like. We were taking stuff that we saw on Martin and then throw it in a promo. We were taking stuff <laughs> like uh, Charlemagne the guy would say something on Breakfast Club. I throw it in a promo. Yeah. We would say like you know we we got really pop culture with things you know yeah like Meg the Stallion, Cardi B, Cardi like uh Brianna was saying all that. Tahuti was saying all the like the uh the the, the freaking flyboy shit that was uh, being <laughs> popping off on on Shade Room and Complex. Yep. He would say it up. He would he, and he would like. But he was just so animated, he would uh, dress his hair up like that too. Like, yeah. oh, everybody's perming the hair. I, I want to do, I want to do some fuckboy shit and just like perm. Yeah, my he hair was a trip. That. He was a trip the way yeah. he did. Yeah, that's funny. We, we, me and he would walk in, and me and uh, AJ just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll, then it'll, all three of us would be ready for the promo. And like, where's Tootie? Oh, uh, we text him. Oh, I'm in the barber's chair. Like, oh <laughs> my god. So, so that, that was like well, the running joke. So Hit Row's running hot, right? Everyone, mo- at least most people, are into it. Uh, you guys get picked by SmackDown as part of the draft, third round, and, and whatever day it was. When and how did you find out about the call-up, and what was everyone's reaction to it at the time? Uh, that was going to Baltimore. when they, We got like a call. We all got a call individually from John, John Cone to come up to be a part of the draft. And um, they were going to have us do a tag match, but then they switched to um, just uh, – AJ doing the singles match. Mm-hmm. And um, so we were just like, oh, this is your chance, bro. This is, I feel like this is your, this is, we need you to have this fire five minute match or whatever to bring us all home right now. I was like, that's all we need to do. So we were all just like, we were all just like uh, uh, pushing them up. We we're just like, all right, AJ, here, this is your thing. This is what you should do. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, hit that thing. This is what you should do. Like, we were just all on them. But they also wanted a promo before, like a live promo, mm-hmm. which they never they never heard us rehearse it. They just said like, "You got two minutes," and then boom. So we were like, "Okay." They like this Laurinaitis like walking us through entrance entrances and camera work and all that. And we were like, "Oh, this is, you don't want to hear a promo? No, you guys got it." Right. We were like, "All right, cool." So yeah. we just did a promo. It got over pretty well. And the match went pretty well. Edge greeted us through, coming through the back. He's like, he's like, a lot of people doubted your skills in the ring, but I think you blew it out of water. I feel like we we need this product on SmackDown. You know, like there was yeah. a lot of like office people. There was a lot of talent that were saying like, we need this product on SmackDown. This is easy. Just a slam dunk. This is simple. We got drafted that night and um, took our promo pictures and everything together, and then like. Uh, I feel like the following week was we did the backstage interaction with the New Day, and then we had our uh, backstage interaction with New Day. And Sammy, maybe a couple weeks later, something like that. Then we had our tag match. Oh, your tag match, right? Yeah, which we did another long promo and whatever. Going to the, our promo was longer than our match. So, so l- let's pause yeah. it there because I want to tell you that as a viewer, right, as someone who's watching, hasn't spoken to you or any of the guys or Brianna yet, I'm excited. Right. Because it felt like WWE. And this is not something that happens a lot there, you know, just being candid. It felt like they saw something fresh that was working in NXT, realized they could make money with it 
and it would help rejuvenate and revitalize a product that maybe some would say had gotten a little stale. And that's why it was so confusing for me to see you guys come up and get a pretty good reaction, even though you weren't on screen, you didn't get that many opportunities to wrestle and then see it end so quickly. So I kind of want to know, like, I've heard you say in other interviews that WWE releasing Brianna ripped the heart out of Hit Row, like right away. And I think that's true. I think, you know, I'm not, I wasn't part of it, obviously, but I can feel why that would be the case. But at the same time, the group could have worked with three of you. Like it wouldn't have been as good maybe, but it could have worked. What do you think led to WWE just suddenly completely giving up on it and releasing you guys? Um, I've always, I, I, we could never really pinpoint it. We, it meant to me, like maybe speculation was contract negotiations fell through. Like maybe on with her you? part. With you, like on, rena- on, the, on 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 her part, maybe. Oh, oh, with her. I'm sorry, with, with her. Brianna, maybe. Like I just don't understand. Like I could, I still can't contemplate like how, like you're all on board and then you take like just the day of they were like taking their flight away. We're like, oh, like she's not needed at this time. We're like, okay, we'll see you next week then. They fly out and then they're in, we're here and she's released. And then it's like, okay, um. Obviously, that means y'all weren't fully invested because it was like, oh, we can do a three man group or whatever, yada, yada, yada. <clears throat> then, okay, now we're just like New Day and we're just like, um, and we're on the same show as The Bloodline with the right, Usos right. and Roman. So, right there, it felt like they were, they, I felt like there was like a, that's, that's three first round draft pick quarterbacks that you can't all have starting on the same team. If that makes sense. So yeah, it does. But, yeah, and, but they're always going to go with what they're familiar with. They know that they make it. They can make money with New Day. They know they can make money with Bloodline. So that's what they chose. Also, the way that the dynamic of the company has changed, like they, you fall in line or you're a problem. And I feel like we were just like, I feel like AJ was very adamant about like, okay, we 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 can do this. We want to do this. Okay, I want to try this and all that stuff. And it wasn't as much me, like meeting their quota because we haven't we didn't build the equity up. Right, because you had just started there, you had just gotten there. Yeah. Right, you know, and that it takes like years to do that over there, you know, unless you're a chosen chosen talent, you know, yeah. you don't really get that freedom. So, but at that time, it's like when they let us go, it's like, well, all right, cool. Like now, looking at the product the way it is now, it's like I'm I don't fit there anymore. New, I mean, they um. Hit Row doesn't fit in the way they have their product shaped now. Mm-hmm. Like there's no where, there's no place for it. It wouldn't even match the energy or create any energy because they're just in a different space than they were like when we started getting hot anyway on NXT. So it's right. kind of like a blessing in disguise. I'm not shitting on their product at all. It just is not what we fit and it's not what we would probably it's not what they would probably want anyway on their yeah. show they want something different to try to present yeah so i'm like but, okay you can have that i don't need to be a part of that but that's the exact reason why i and so many other people were excited about it because you know you watch wwe smackdown raw two different shows basically the same right and you you say what can be added to this to switch it up to make it fresh mm-hmm. to make it different and hit row is one of those things coming out of nxt where you say this is can't miss we have the tag team, 
We have the solo star. We have the f- the female who is talented and, and still and still learning. You know, Brianna was still learning too. But right. this is this is something that, if given time and a little bit of patience, can really come together. And you make the comment about well, they already had New Day and Bloodline. And to me, I look at that. I look at that and say, you know what? Maybe that's true. So maybe what they maybe this mistake they made was drafting you guys to SmackDown should have been to Raw. So just move them, right? If you have two right. three person groups, just move them. Why are you releasing them? That was the frustration. And you know, a lot of people speculated, and I don't know if you want to speak to it or not. It's up to you. Uh, that some of AJ's tweets, his outspokenness, maybe created a little bit of bad publicity. May have had something to do with that. Do you believe that to be true at all? Possible. Possible. Once again, it's just like um, we didn't build the equity up enough to really, to yeah. yeah, to really have that. And but and he's also someone who doesn't come from pro wrestling. He's a football comes from like professional. He comes from the professional, a higher level of professional, like level from athletics. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, being outspoken is like it's kind of like what makes you the star over in that world. You know, yeah. over in. And it does in our industry too, but once again, if you don't you don't have the equity, right? Then you don't do it. You know, it doesn't go. Yeah, and being outspoken is not a bad thing. Just in that spot at that time, it may have been the wrong mix. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, right. So when you look back on your time at NXT now, because that's where you mostly were while you're in WWE, do you find it to have been a, a valuable part of your career? Because a lot of wrestlers I've spoken with, both who move on to the main roster. And who release or or quit or or cut or whatever the case might be, they say that okay, maybe it didn't work out for me here, but I still learned a lot and grew significantly. And I'm wondering if that's true with you and what ways you think it benefited you. Yeah, I've definitely grown. I've gotten, I've become like, um, I feel like that's where I created a whole nother presence and matured my entire ability in the ring. I really became something really like must see. Mm -hmm. I really felt like that. Um, being in the ring with Terry Taylor, just changing my, the way of my psychology and thinking of working with the camera, taking my time and really just giving people a way to feel something about me. That was like a, a big, huge tool that I've used before. But now I was like, OK, this is how I truly use this thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like it's like you have you you've always used your sword as a sword. But now you're on feeling you're figuring out that's like oh this is also a key this is also can be used this way this can be used this way so that's what they just took my one weapon that i had and turned it into like a multi-tool like it's 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 a huge array and i'm still expanding it like now that i'm back on those four first four matches i've had on the independence since coming back i'm just like playing now it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like it doesn't feel like uh, i don't get nervous going through curtains anymore it's just like i'm just being i'm existing in my universe whatever the match is i'm just creating as i go it's not me just like trying to like memorize and trying to make everything look perfect no i'm just like existing now and i'm and i feel like the fans are just on the ride with me just existing and they i feel like they take out they 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 lose their they they lose that suspension and they just go like boom okay this is a whole different feel from the rest of the show, from any other type of wrestling I've watched, I feel like they really zone in and they're with you. Mm-hmm. So coming out of it, obviously you did go to the main roster, but of course are no longer with WWE. I'm wondering what 
was your relationship like with Paul Levesque, with Triple H? I know you said you pushed him and you really spoke up for yourself and obviously that worked. But from a day to day standpoint, you know, working with this guy for a couple of years, him being like the steward, the guy who kind of ran the whole ship there. What was it like kind of working underneath him and, and having that experience? I feel like he liked me and he respected my talent, my talent and my ability. But I don't feel like he ever truly like in like bought in and invested until I made him have to with hit row. Mm-hmm. Cause he like, he's one of those guys like um, he's, he has those, those talents on the show that he knows and he's well acquainted with. And it's hard for him to deviate from those guys. When he's set on someone, he's set on them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, anybody who says that he doesn't, like I wouldn't say I wouldn't call it picking favorites, but if if somebody says like he doesn't or he I want he doesn't have his like core guys, then he's one of the, you're one of their core guys. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you're not noticing like, it. Everyone else notices. Yeah, it. yeah. they're like, yeah. what do you mean? He's great. I'm like, no shit. Like, <laughs> but there's like a, there's a lot of like this. I still to this day I feel like he's he missed out on a Matt Riddle being a world champion mm-hmm. because he was focused on core guys. I feel like there's times he missed out on a Bianca Belair because he was focused on his core girls. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of missed opportunities in certain areas because he was so focused on certain people. And he kind of has to because, like, he's running a product that on a weekly on a, a weekly product, you kind of want to go to your go-getters. You know, you, you, you're guaranteed guys. Yeah. But you also have to build. You know? So was Sean more that guy? I mean, Sean I know you already was, talked about yeah. it a little bit, but Sean was more in your camp, the guy that you went to when you yeah, did stuff. Absolutely. Me and Sean connected more like as yeah. humans and people, you know, like I still talk to Sean. That's cool. You know, um, like we are the ones that he was the one that really like got me to be like, okay, this is, this is, this is the guy, this guy's special. Mm-hmm. Him and Terry and Regal were those guys. Triple H was like, felt like my boss and employer. I never talked to him on a personal level. I did speak to him often about sure. work and ideas and he listened to me and he really definitely like, especially when it came to that, the hit row cipher on great mm-hmm. American bash, he followed our lead all the way. That's you cool. Know, that's, I'm, we're forever grateful for that. That was really dope. Cause that's another thing in history where NXT that's never been done. Mm-hmm. We were the first ones to really do something like that. And so, um, as far as business, triple H, I felt like me and him had a good business relationship. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. So, you know, I, I'm sure you're not watching NXT anymore, but, uh, you know, Sean oh, is. No, I, I still watch. You still do? Okay. So Sean's, yeah, been, ele- Sean's been elevated, especially with some of the health issues that, that Triple H has had. Sean's been elevated to really kind of running the show over there. So you must be pretty thrilled that he's getting that opportunity. And, you know, if you are watching semi-regularly, I, I think it's a show that certainly started off rough and pretty different, but it's starting to morph into something where, People are starting to get over it. It's getting there. It's it still has some things to do. Uh, for me, it looks like uh, I'm watching uh, Saved by the Bell <laughs> a little bit. That's fair. Yeah, you know that's fair. Um, but you're seeing a lot of you're, what I'm what I'm happy about. You're seeing guys that were recruited and finally getting opportunities rather than being just stuck in the performance center for so long. Like, oh no, nope, no, nope, get on TV. And you're getting opportunities to see yeah. these guys, and you know, like you hear, you see these um these reports of uh, these pictures that go on on social media of these guys that are like, oh, this is the re- recruitment class of 
2021 and 2020, mm-hmm. but you never see these guys on TV. So I'm like, where the hell do these go? They go. I'm supposed to get excited for them, but I'm not seeing them. Now you're starting to see these people and they're getting opportunities. Maybe that might be a detriment because they're getting these opportunities way too fast before they're ready because this is like live television rather than just getting yeah. a, a match on in Fort Myers or, you know, right. local you know, the loops. Yeah. The, 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 uh, you know, live, NXT live loop. And now you already have Braun Breaker on Raw. I feel like it's pretty fast. Yeah. <laughs> That's just me. Um, but once again, I feel like I don't fit that product and they don't have you know, a, a fit for me there either. Right. No. So that's and why I'm over it. Yeah. So, it makes sense. And it's one of those situations where didn't want it to happen the way it did, but maybe you're lucky that it happened that way. At the end of the it's day. a blessing. It's yeah. a blessing. I'm like, um, I definitely came out bigger than a lot of guys that have been let go in this, like in recent memory. Absolutely. You know? Like, because yeah, you were, you were still over when that happened, you know? So yeah, they didn't get a chance to like really like damage my, <laughs> my visual on screen yeah. for like letting go. It's so in a lot of the eyes of the perception of the fan base, it's like, wait, he, he still, you should have like, you missed out on this. Absolutely. You missed out on something great. Like, you know what yep. I mean? Yeah, no, 100%. So we've talked a lot about wrestling. You're not just a wrestler, though. You're a musician. You're a rapper. you got stuff going on. Uh, you have an album coming out, right? Soon? Yes. March Me 13th. And, uh, Monty. Me and so, Montezzi, uh, Swerve City, um, March 18th. March 18th. Okay. Album. March 18th so, album. Uh, March 18th Tears album. So the big catchphrase we're going in is this is our third album. Third, out, um, third release is going to be on Spotify, iTunes, everywhere you can get mo- uh, stream music, title, uh, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, there's our third album first one in the first album humble beginnings we gave you our blood gps the second album we gave you our sweat and on march 18th we're giving you our tears so this is like a a full ele- evolution of our sound our growth as artists I, this is only my third fourth year actually making music and rapping tvs mm-hmm. on its 16th year of doing this like signs to Rough Rider when he was 17 years old. That's Mentored crazy. by Buster Rhymes and Shamelo Durant. Um, he literally took me and like threw me into the studio and taught me how to really um, for, formulate music and orchestrate these things and layer and do all these other things um, as far as like an artist. Taught me how to rap from ground up. And so you're seeing the evolution. You're seeing my confidence just like on display. Just boom. Okay, throw the beat on. I know what I'm doing. Like you're not hearing me learn how to do it anymore from the first right. Two albums and figure it out. No, I know our sound. We have, we have our chemistry. We go back and forth. Our features are incredible. Ace Cabana, Chris Cage, Kelsey Lynn, John Connor from a uh, former Shady Aftermath artist, mm-hmm. Mickey Fax, legendary hip hop lyricist and battle rapper. We got the legendary music soul child who just came off Sick. of doing the verses. He has a couple, um, couple songs on there. And you have AJ Francis at former top dollar doing some uh doing something with us on the album um rich lotta producer and rapper extraordinaire who's been doing production and rapping on the who we are album for AEW. it's a big family thing over here so we're doing it big and shout out british and kane over there too uk rapper battle Mm. rapper as well Um, amazing amazing talent a lot of hidden talents out there that we just came together and like get on the album boom get on the track flash garments (laughs) That's awesome, man. I'm looking forward to it. I know everyone else is. I'm going to get you out of here on this hardest question of the whole interview, okay? 
Mm-hmm. This is the question. Top five dead or alive. Who is it? Um, for me, I always put M. M M's up there. Yep. Top five. Like as far as all time, lyricist. Um, this is getting more and more difficult because like Hendrix's really starting to yeah, protrude that a little bit more. Biggie and Pac, Hove. And I would say Kanye. Kanye? All right. You see uh, the Yeezus, or not not Yeezus, it's uh, Donda. Genius, Genius on Genius. Uh, Netflix. I, I watched the first one. I got, uh, no, I watched the second one too, the second episode. The first, the first two are like the real great parts of it, yeah. but it's good. It's a good, uh, yeah, good it's, it's amazing. I, got, yeah. I still got to get to the third one though, but I think I'm in the middle of the second one. Gotcha. Well, look, man, thank you. Thank you for taking the time. I mean, I know it's a busy time in your life right now. Dynamite coming up tomorrow. Hopefully you're on there. I don't know. You don't have to tell us. Uh, but dude, Thank you for joining Getting Over. Uh, you're going to have to come back so we can do this again in the future. And just yeah. best of luck to you with the music, of course, AEW and beyond. I'm sure you're going to kill it, man. I'm looking forward to the future. Like, you know, so it's, it's awesome. Like, and not just, just wrestling, but everything in yeah. life, career. Uh, go subscribe to our YouTube, youtube.com backslash Sword City Podcast for episodes. We just had Busted Open Radio join in. Um, this, uh, this previous episode with Mark Henry and Dave LaGreca, that's coming out soon. We got movie reviews up there, uh, TZ's Table, where he interviews a lot of uh, personal guests on his own. Yeah, I think he had Vernon Davis recently. That's crazy. Nice. Um, check out the music videos we have on there and check out my new website with all the new merchandise I have, swervecompany.com. Hit that up, swervecompany.com, and you can catch Swerve Wednesday nights and Friday nights on AEW dynamite and rampage dude i appreciate it again and hopefully we talk sooner than later yes we will thank you very much for the time bro you got it man thank you greatly appreciate swerve giving us this opportunity to speak with him ahead of what looks to be potentially his first television appearance for aew uh, on dynamite of course just a couple days following his debut with the company at revolution the future seems absolutely bright for this man uh, in the company. And, you know, I'm excited to see how his career uh, develops from here going forward. And certainly there's going to be plenty to watch. It just so happened, I realized kind of uh, after the interview was done, this was our first AEW interview as well. And trust me, that's not for a lack of trying, but hopefully this does open some additional doors into AEW and we can bring you uh, some more interviews uh, coming down the line from some of the top names in the company, but I appreciate all of you tuning in today, listening to this episode, hearing the sit down interview with Swerve. Please, now that the show is over, remember that getting over is all about So head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify, drop that five star rating on Apple, also leave a review, tell people about this interview, tell them why they should listen and subscribe to the show, and please. I forgot this earlier. Do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Not only do we tweet live during all of the major wrestling shows in the United States, we also offer opportunities for you guys to contribute by sending in questions via DM or tweet uh, that we will read on the air and answer, of course, on the air. You can participate in pre and post show polls for pay per views. And we do live Twitter spaces all the time but especially right ahead of the kickoff shows for WWE and AEW pay-per-views. And it's great, great way to interact with myself and my co-host, Vintage Chris Vanini. Uh, yes, please follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. 
But that is it for today. We will be back on Thursday with a full breakdown of the AEW Dynamite coming out of Revolution and an NXT Roadblock show that was exceptionally interesting. That show, as I said, is coming on Thursday. We will be back next week, of course, with the WWE episode, as usual, on Tuesday. With all of that out of the way, the Silver King is just going to leave you with three final words. Bye for now.